The following message is brought to you by Charles L. King, Jr., pastor of First Baptist Church, West College Hill. If you need additional information, visit firstbaptistchurchwch.org. Turn with me now, turn with me now, amen, amen. Turn with me now to the book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 26 and 27. As always, I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to follow along, not only in the text, but as well as to reference the other scriptures that the Holy Spirit will give me in support of the message. Here in the sanctuary, we are standing in honor of the reading of the word, and certainly I invite each and every one of you to do the same. We do that according to the word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 5 says that Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. I also like verse 6 because it said that Ezra began to worship God. And all the people answered, amen, amen. Are there any amens in the house? Come on, somebody. Are there any amens online? Amen, amen. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 Certainly, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is even in the place where you are right now. Uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27, the English Standard Version, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We're going to talk about it. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We've all heard and we know about the severe storm swept across the south this past week causing heavy snowfall and freezing temperatures across the state of Texas and other southern states. Effects from the storm led to, to mass power outages across the region, leaving millions without power for most of the week. Stream cold also caused water pipes to burst in homes and businesses and churches, causing many parts of the state to be under a boil advisory there have been 47 deaths approximately attributed to the winter storm nationwide, 30 of which were in Texas alone. While at the end of the frigid conditions began this, this weekend, the recovery from that storm will be long-term. Now, certainly, we've all been in prayer for all of those affected. No doubt if you have family members, loved ones, or friends in the area. But let me ask you an honest question. Have you ever been at a loss of words? Or maybe you just weren't sure how to pray for a particular person's situation or for a particular difficult situation? I mean, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. COVID-19 and sickness is all around us. We can't go out, we can't visit, we can't travel still like we wish. Come on, somebody. We can't shake hands, hug friends or family members or loved ones. And the truth be told, 
I'm talking to somebody, I don't know where you are, but I'm talking to somebody that when there are times when you actually don't even feel like praying. Now, I might be also talking to somebody else who's even wondering, why do we even pray? So on this third Sunday of February, wait a minute, February 21, 2021, with your prayers and by the aid, yes, sir, of the Holy Spirit, we want to consider the subject when you don't know what to pray. Repeat after me, Father, open my eyes so I can see your truth. Open my ears so I can hear your voice. Open my mind so I can understand your word. And open my heart so that I may receive all that you have for me that is for me in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God when you don't know what to pray. Have you ever heard this phrase? Just pray about it. Hmm? <laughs> We've all been given that response to a solution of various trials. And as believers, we preach and we teach that prayer is the answer. But the question for all of us, whether here or online or up under the sound of my voice, is do we fully believe in the power and the purpose of prayer in our everyday lives? In many ways, prayer can feel forced and even futile in light of God's will and his all-sufficient sovereignty. I mean, what is the point of praying? If God already knows every need, that is according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. I mean, what's the point in praying if God already sees our heart plainly, according to Psalm 139? For many, the practice of prayer has become an unequal exchange full of unmet requests. Lord, help me to stand tall. Or maybe prayers much like a 911 emergency number that we dial. When we are faced with fears or suddenly shaken by suffering, are we quick to ask God in his power to resolve our circumstances and please, Lord, realign our world? Unfortunately, in all of these instances, Prayer becomes minimized to a means of receiving something from God. And the danger of that perspective is that it is steeped in a shallow and often shattered view of God's character. I don't believe I'm alone when I say that in certain seasons, I too have approached God with the presumption that his goodness was dependent on his answer to my petitions. I mean, whatever season I might be facing at a particular time, that has been my specific prayer request, often marked by my experience. What do you mean, Pastor King? Well, if I'm doubting, 
I pray for faith. If I'm hurting, I pray for healing. If I'm confused, I pray for understanding. If I'm worried, I pray for calmness. If I'm restless, I pray for peace. Come on, somebody. If I'm afraid, I pray for comfort. If I lack wisdom, I ask God to give me discernment. At its core, however, prayer is simply talking to God. There is no right or wrong way to talk to God. The most important thing about praying is simply that you do it. And as basic as that sounds, praying, believe it or not, if we're honest, can be strangely hard and one of the greatest struggles for Christians. Why? Well, because our focus is too often on praying itself and not on God. We learn about prayer not so much for us to know a lot of facts about prayer, but so that we might pray with our focus on God. So when you don't know what to pray, come on, somebody. Well, we have help in this area. Thank you, Lord. The help of the Holy Spirit, which is a great help indeed. Here in our text is a marvelous truth. For watch this. The Apostle Paul teaches us, watch this, that the third person in the Trinity is interceding with the first person of the Trinity on our behalf. Teach Holy Ghost. I'll say it again. Here in our text is the truth and a matter of fact that Paul teaches us. He's teaching us, and we're going to break it down, that the third person of the Trinity is interceding with the first person of the Trinity on our behalf. So let's break it down. Let's see how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing for us to recognize is the problem of prayer. I'm going to teach it. I said the problem of prayer. Let's note the problem of prayer. It's in the text. Look at verse 26a. Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let's park right there. Prayer is a problem for us because of our weakness. Now, when Paul speaks of our weakness, it's important to realize that he is not speaking of sin. Can I teach in this house? Weakness is not a sin. It is true that as sinners, we sin. And yes, it is true that sin is a barrier to communication with God. I mean, David said of his prayer, in, of his prayer life in Psalm 66, 18, he says, if I had cherished iniquity or if I had cherished evil in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Isaiah, he told the Israelites in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, he says, but your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and your God. 
and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. But that's not what Paul is speaking about here in Romans 8 and 26. No, ma'am, no, sir. You see, the problem that Paul is concerned about is our weakness. And this is not sin, but rather our frailty as human beings. What kind of weakness or frailties are there? Well, there's one. There's a physical frailty. I mean, think about the story of the disciple in Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 44. I'm not going to read it, but, but you remember the disciples were left by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And that provides an illustration of physical frailty or weakness because you remember what they kept doing. The Bible teaches us they kept falling asleep. Wait a minute. Even though Jesus had instructed them, am I talking to somebody? He had instructed them to pray while he had gone further, but the Bible says they fell asleep. Even though he said, stay awake and pray. So, here in Romans 8, the weakness that Paul has in mind is a lack of understanding. It's expressed, how do you know, Pastor King? It's expressed in the verse. Read the text. I hope you didn't close your Bible because in that next verse, that next phrase of verse 26, he says, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. This is not a question of how to pray, teach Holy Ghost. It is a question or a statement of what to pray. Paul means we don't know what, come on somebody, we should be asking God. I mean, what is God's will when somebody says, pray for me? What is God's will for that other person? When somebody says, pray about this or that, what is God's will for this or that? When you have concerns about your own situation, what is God's will for you and your situation? You see, in our human frailty, we often simply do not know and therefore do not know how to pray rightly at some times. But I also want you to notice something else in the verse, because when Paul writes the word weakness, he adds the word our. Come on now. Therefore, he's putting himself in the identical position with you and me. In other words, the weakness that makes prayer difficult is not only something, this is the teaching right here, the weakness when folks say they find it hard to pray, that's not just for new Christians. That's not just for baby Christians. That's not just for immature Christians. That's a part of their common human condition. Even some of the greatest, so-called greatest, or the so-called strongest saints have difficulty praying. Come here, Job. Huh? Come on, somebody. Think about Job, for example. God, he told Satan, 
that Job was a righteous man. But then in John, Job chapter 1, verse 8, God says, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless, watch this, an upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Yet because of all the things that had begun to happen to Job, Job himself became a confused man. He didn't know why he was suffering the way he was. I'm talking to somebody. Then he had no answers for what was going on. How do I know? The Bible says, Job chapter 7, 20 and 21. Job says, he's talking to God. He says, if I have sinned, what have I done to you? Can I teach in this house? He says, what have I done to you? Watcher of humanity, why have you made me your target so that I have become a burden to you? Why not forgive my sin, God Almighty, and pardon my iniquity? Because it must be I've done something to make you mad or something to offend you, Lord, because there's no way. I should be going through what I'm going through right now, trying to do the right thing. I'm going to church. I'm showing up even in COVID times. I'm paying tithe. Don't have a dime to my name. And yet, I'm still suffering the way I am, trying to do the right thing. So what is it? Listen, have you been there? You don't have to raise your hand. But have you been there wondering what in the world might you have done to deserve the trouble, the heartache, the pain, the suffering, the difficulty that you're going through? Have you been maybe without louder in your heart and spirit said like Job, why have you made me your target? so that I have become a burden to you. Why not forgive my sin, come on now, and pardon my iniquity because it's got to be something. But here's the teaching. The teaching is simply this. Job teaches us that a person, watch this, can be righteous and still not know what to pray. So prayer is a problem even for some of the greatest, so-called greatest among us. But what's the next point of the teaching? The next point then is that the Spirit helps us in our prayer. Thank you, Lord. Huh? Come on, somebody. I mean... We know enough about the problem. We know the problem all too well. So the point of the passage here in Romans chapter 8 is that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Even though we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We about to go deep with that too. We are weakness 
ourselves, but the Holy Spirit himself is all powerful. Paul, he uses two key phrases here in verse 26. The first key phrase is that the Spirit helps us in prayer. In the Greek, if you had time and you did a deeper study, the idea here is that the Spirit comes alongside us, teach Holy Ghost, by bearing our burdens. It's a picture here. There's a picture, and it pictures our obliviousness, if you will, of what to pray for, and that becomes a heavy load. We are struggling along under that load of trying to figure out. We think it's a formula, so we're trying to figure out what to say, how to say what we need to the Lord, but the Holy Spirit comes alongside, thank you, Lord, and helps us to shoulder that load. What the Holy Spirit does is he identifies with us in our weakness, same way that Jesus did by his incarnation as he labors with us. But then a second key phrase is that the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, an intercessor is a person who pleads one's case. So the meaning here is that the way the Holy Spirit comes alongside us to help us to shoulder our burden is by pleading our case with God when we don't know how to do it ourselves. You see, we don't know what to pray for. Just because we mouthing a bunch of words, come on somebody, it doesn't matter. You've been on your knees for 20 minutes. And if we ever recorded our prayers, we probably figure out we've repeated ourselves for 20 minutes. We don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit does. So he prays for us. And watch this. Watch the text. And God, who searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit in verse 27 and answers the Spirit's correct and powerful prayers. You see, that's what Jesus did for Peter. It's one of the best illustrations of intercession in the Bible. Luke 22, 31 and 32. Remember, Jesus told Peter, he says, Peter, Satan wanted to sift him like wheat. But then in verse 32, Jesus says, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned, converted, I think some translations say, but when you have returned to me, strengthen the brothers. Peter didn't know what to pray. In fact, he may not have even been praying at all. Come on, somebody. Because later that same evening, he was one of the ones who fell asleep while praying. But Jesus prayed for him. That should help somebody right there. You know how it's been. Come on, somebody. Don't raise your hand. You on your knees on the side of your bed. Huh? I'm talking to somebody. 
And before you know, you didn't woke up about a half hour later, you don't know what you said. If you said anything. Come on, somebody. Amen. Jesus told Peter that he prayed for him. And Jesus' prayers were answered. And as a result of that, Peter was strengthened and went on for many years of useful service. I don't mean to bust your bubble, but you better know somebody prayed for you and that somebody was Jesus as well. I know mama prayed. I know grandmama prayed. But thank God that Jesus prayed for me. Because I'm not going to sit here and tell you that my prayer life is the strongest of the best. I don't care what these folk tell you. And I'm not here because of my own prayers. But I thank God that somebody prayed for me. But let me make this important point while I'm here. Because none of this... Just in case somebody's listening and taking notes and saying, well, maybe I don't have to pray. Maybe if I just let the Holy Spirit pray for me, I can actually get this thing right. No, ma'am, no, sir. Watch the text. Because the text, nor do I, suggest that we have nothing to do in our prayer lives, although we don't have any responsibility to pray. We do have a responsibility to pray. And it's actually made clear in the text because the word says he helps. Come on, somebody. The apostle Paul says that the spirit helps us in our weakness. He does not eliminate our need to pray regularly or fervently. But what about this word? I'm going to take a few minutes right here. I got time. What about the word groanings, huh? Underline that. What about that word groanings in verse 26? Well, keeping all of this in context, the word groanings actually occurs three times here in Romans chapter 8. Look at verses 22 through verse 27. The first occurrence is in verse 22. And it refers to an inanimate creation. Paul writes that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The second instance is ourselves, teach Holy Ghost, in verse 23. He says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirits grown inwardly. And then the third time is referenced here in verse 26. It says the spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. Why did I spend some time there? Well, because there seems to be a purposeful progression from inanimate nature to the redeemed to the third person of the Godhead. Can I say it again? There's a purposeful progression from inanimate nature to the redeemed 
to the third person of the Godhead. But what does all of this mean? Well, here's what I can tell you is this. It does not mean that the spirit is unable to articulate his concerns. You might not be able, but that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is not able to articulate his concerns to God. Keep the idea here of bearing a heavy burden. Keep this here. Watch the teaching here. This is the illumination. Keep that in view because it may be that that is what Paul is thinking about when he says that a groan is an appropriate to bearing a burden. Listen to this illustration. Suppose someone is helping you carry a very heavy load. What is more expressive? A groan as you stagger beneath or a great deal of articulate chatter. I mean, suppose your helper, I mean, you, and suppose the person helping you says, my, this piano is heavy. They certainly make pianos heavy and awkward to carry, don't they? We probably should have spent some money and gone ahead and hired professional piano movers. I don't think I want to do this very often. Have you ever moved a piano before? Now you trying to carry a piano. And they trying to carry on a conversation. Listen, here's the point. If you are struggling with the heavy load too, that's probably the last thing, come on somebody, that you want to hear. Folk don't have time to get to hear all of your chatter. They going through some stuff. You want to come about little chatty Kathy having all this conversation. Come on, somebody. If you are struggling, that's the last thing you got time for. But you would probably just want to tell this so-called helper to be quiet and lift the piano. A real burden bearer, watch this, groans with you. And I'm suggesting that that's the image that Paul has here. He was saying that he, the Holy Spirit is right there alongside, groaning with you. Not just talking about you, not just talking to you, not just cheerleading. Hey, you got it, you got it. No. You really want to help me? Then help me carry every now and then. And that's what some folk need from you and from me. The bearing of our prayer burdens does not have to be in words. Because as the passage goes on to say that God who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit and he answers accordingly. 
So as I get ready to close, Romans 8, 26 and 27 implies or explicitly teaches so many lessons about prayer, especially when you don't know what to pray. The first thing is we are supposed to pray, period. I mean, regardless of the problems that we may have with prayer, we are reminded that Christians all have problems with prayer at times, and we are nevertheless supposed to pray. In fact, the word of God commands us to pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, we are told to pray without ceasing. Anything that God tells us to do is for our good. And we are the poorer for it if we fail to do it. Prayer is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines there are. Second thing I want to show you is don't expect prayer to be easy. I mean, why should it be? Nothing else in the Christian life is easy. So why should prayer be any different? The Christian life is a struggle, and we should not expect simple or quick fix solutions. Our contemporary American culture has conditioned us to want an easy cure-alls. So hear me when I say this, in the area of our sanctification, we expect immediate victories either by formula or by our spiritual experience. But God does not work that way. We are called to struggle. And our perseverance in that struggle is victory in and of itself. Even if the results are not visible or spectacular, the Holy Spirit will help us to bear our burden. So it is in prayer that you don't have to feel good about it, though there are a whole lot of times you will in most cases. You don't even have to see the results. What is the important thing is that you keep on and you keep on keeping on. Thirdly, I need us to realize that what we are doing when we pray, although discipline of prayer is itself a struggle, and more often than not, we don't know what we should be praying for, we nevertheless can know and need to know what we're doing. In prayer, hear me, we address ourselves to the greatest, to our, sir, our sovereign God, and we present our acts to him. Write that down, our acts, A-C-T-S. We present our acts to him. Said in prayer, we address ourselves to the great sovereign God of the universe, and we present our acts, A-C-T-S, to him. What are we presenting? We're presenting our adoration. We're presenting our confession. We're presenting our thanksgiving, and we're presenting our supplication to him. He hears these prayers and responds to them 
consistently. Jesus told us in Matthew, he told us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So what changes when we pray? The chief thing that happens in prayer is that prayer changes us. God might not change our circumstance right away. He might not change our condition. But in the midst of our praying, he's changing us. So be encouraged. I need to encourage somebody. Be encouraged. I know it's a lot going on. Be encouraged by these verses. It is true that we don't know what to pray for. But the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us by God to assist precisely in this area. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit knows precisely what to pray. He's interpreting our prayers correctly and presenting them to the Father. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want it any other way. And because of this intercession of the Holy Spirit, we are sure, wait a minute, going all the way back to verse 1 in Romans chapter 8, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the Holy Spirit is praying for us, not against us. And God's work in our lives is not limited to what we can understand or what we can express in words. So may the Lord use this truth to encourage all of us in our prayer lives when you don't know what to pray. To God be the glory. To God be the praise. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church, West College Hill. If this word inspired you, please consider sharing it. We ask that you do not alter the content without permission. We invite you to firstbaptistchurchwch.org. Inquiries can be submitted at info at firstbaptistchurchwch.org. Our mailing address is 6210 Betts Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45224. Or you can call our offices at 513-681-1011. First Baptist Church, West College Hill. Reaching the world without sacrificing the message. First Baptist Church, West College Hill. Reaching the world without sacrificing the message.